0: BBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello. Thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. In this edition, we bring you the latest from the Chief Minister on the McGrail Inquiry. In football, we report on the build up to a big, big game for Gibraltar on Friday, home, away from home, against France. Our reporter, Jose Mari Ruiz, was in Faro, Portugal with the latest. The Summer Sports and Leisure Programme is just around the corner. Regan Lima and Liam Bayas wet the appetite. And the GBC Summer Camp, Max De Soysa and Chloe Lodo had more on this exciting opportunity for 10- to 14-year-olds. But we start with the first King's Birthday Parade under the reign of King Charles III, which took place at Casemates on Thursday morning. After speaking to the Commander of British Forces, Gibraltar Commodore Tom Guy, our reporter Kevin Rees joined me.
1: Very hot, and tell you what, Jonathan. I think this week I'm unofficially the official, unofficial uh, parade correspondent for GBC. It's a second one in just a, a matter of days, isn't it? Of course. The big event. It's a biggie. The King's Birthday Parade, as you rightly say, it's the first one under the new monarch. It commemorates the official birthday. And as with the Queen, of course, this is not uh, King Charles' um, birthday date itself, but rather the official birthday. It's a long-standing tradition which goes back to the 1700s with June providing better weather for the pageantry, the ceremony associated with a monarch's um, celebrations, for the celebrations around a so, monarch's birthday. So that's birthday.
0: why June is... Okay. Exactly.
1: His official birthday, I believe, is in November. His his actual birthday date. In Gibraltar, the King's birthday parade is a smaller affair than that held in London, no doubt. Um, but... Uh, um, we were told it's not less significant at all or important. Commander Tom Guy, the Commander British Forces Gibraltar, told us planning for the parade started a year ago, just after the last one finished, and rehearsals have been running for a long time, especially because in Gibraltar, many of those involved have their own day jobs as well. He says that overall, the format this year remains largely the same, but it's been slightly tweaked um, to keep in with the times.
2: Yeah, so, of course, it's important to note that this is the first... King's Birthday Parade under the reign of King Charles III. The overall format remains the same, but it's been tweaked. Um, The difference is, you'll have seen a slightly different format for the Guard because of our commitments elsewhere, but otherwise, the the, the traditional royal salute that we heard uh, remains absolutely the same. And you'll have have noticed that with His Excellency the Governor, the, the Sovereign's representative on the dais, only he was taking the salute At one point he stepped off the dais and that's to represent the uh, notional actual royal presence and we all salute. So there's little sort of subtleties to it and it's important that we maintain those traditions.
0: The commander of British forces Gibraltar, Commodore Tom Guy, speaking to GBC this morning. Our reporter Kevin Ruiz was there. Uh, what was the ambiente like, Kev? Uh,
1: people love it, don't they? I mean, we we're talking about um, that the other day, how in Gibraltar our military heritage is important and the people um, know a lot about the military history and we always enjoy it because in particular because of our history, our socio-political status over the decades. Um, and that's a, a, a good line Tom Guy gave us this morning, that for Gibraltar, it's specifically significant. This ceremony is particularly important because he says there can be no greater visible demonstration of British sovereignty than having British forces Gibraltar out in casemates amongst the people of Gibraltar, showing respect and celebrating the king's birthday with the community.
0: Good stuff. So, uh, who was involved? The Gibraltar
1: Regiment. Uh, was a visiting artillery involved? Or? No, we, the, the, there wasn't a visiting artillery involved this year, um, to my knowledge. Although we do know the the Battle of the Royal Artillery are, are, are here in Gibraltar That's what I meant, training yeah. for a few days. Um, but of course, this one is a smaller, lower key fair, not uh, less significant, as we were told. The big event, of course, the Trooping of the Colour, which is happening in London on Saturday. And of course, it's not just an event which uh, attracts the interest of the UK or British viewers across the world. It's uh, it's become a bit of a global event with views around the world tuning in. Of course, all that pageantry, uh, the ceremony, people love it. And it's got a huge global audience that's happening on Saturday, of course. Excellent. Jonathan, as well. Are you but, going to be watching? I'm going to be watching. Okay. I love it. Um, I <laughs> love the pageantry. And I tell you what, remember, tell you what there, <laughs> I on Saturday, um, I did tell you that uh, they played um, my second favourite piece of uh, military music. Today I was chuffed because they actually played my favourite. <laughs>
0: Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott. As we've been reporting, the Chief Minister says the reason that he signed the letters of assurance to police officers who've filed statements against the former Commissioner Ian McGrail is because some of those officers don't have confidence in the Royal Gibraltar Police Senior Management Team, including the current Commissioner of Police, Richard Alger. Fabian Picardo was responding to criticism from the GSD, who said that the whistleblower protection law specifies that in the case of the police, the relevant person who should be signing any letters is the commissioner. But this is what Fabian Picardo had to say by way of reply.
2: There is clear provision in the law for ministers to make these decisions. Now, ministers can make decisions in different ways. You can simply orally set out what your decision is, and the civil servant can write it down. You can write it down in the name of a minister, or you can do the thing which is in my view, always the best, which is that the minister has cause to write things down and sign them and date them on the date which they are properly done. So in my view, I mean, for the leader of the opposition to take this point demonstrates just how naked he has been left in the context of the attempts to criticise this process. But look, I've seen many things in the context of being in politics in Gibraltar for the last uh, 22 years actively. I've seen politicians jump on bandwagons. I have never before seen an opposition politician seek to actually hijack an issue in the way that Keith Asopaldi is trying to hijack the McGrail inquiry, which is designed to get to the truth of what happened in the context of Ian McGrail's early retirement, but to try and hijack it for party political gain. I mean, I half expect to see Ms. Asopaldi on a horse looking like Dick Turpin hijacking this process, because this is really quite remarkable. And people will see through it. An inquiry is about getting to the truth, and Mr. Sobali should allow the inquiry to get to the truth and allow the government, Mr. McGrail's team, and everybody else who is a part of the inquiry, subject to the control of the commissioner in the inquiry, to get to the stage where all of the evidence is before the inquiry, before he starts making wild allegations of the sorts that he's making. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with
0: Jonathan Scott. We're going to cross over to Portugal now, where our sports reporter José Mari Ruiz has travelled with the Gibraltar selection, the national team. Um, how are they feeling about that really big game against France tomorrow, José?
3: Good afternoon, Jennifer. And well, the team is in good spirits, really, as as always. The good news is that TJ Lebar is back in the squad after missing out last time. But there's also two important players that are going to be missing out this time around. Graham Torrilla through injury and Liam Walker, of course, through suspension. He got that red card against the Netherlands. So neither of those two players will be available to play that big game, like you mentioned, against France tomorrow. I mean, I'm sure it'll be one of the toughest games we've played to date. But speaking about the two players that are missing, Julio Rivas did say earlier today in a press conference that he'll just have to rely on other players to do just a good of a job. Also in that same presser, defender Jace Oliveira spoke about Fans expectations, and although it's a quick turnaround in terms of fixtures against France tomorrow and Ireland on Monday, Icon Vito also spoke about how much the team has been looking forward to these two games for quite a while now.
0: As time goes by, um, expectations and standards are rise above, and, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, the, the support that we always have from, from Gibraltar is, is always something really special, and we always give everything on the pitch to, to give back to, to the whole of Gibraltar. And that's what we want. We want to continue improving, continue getting better and, and always, you know, pushing and um, rising the, the bar higher and, and always going for more. Jace Olivero speaking in Faro, Portugal, and this is Ethan Brito.
2: I'm really, really looking forward to it. I've prepared um, the last one since the season ended. I've been looking at this and training, no rest, just working hard with, another, with a few other teammates. And we're all ready to... Playing the next two games, and we're really looking forward to it.
0: I mean, it's the sort of game that you want to play if you're a, if you're a footballer <laughs> against some of the very best <laughs> players in the world.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, in that press conference I finished just around an hour ago, Julio Rivas highlighted that the data shows this is one of the strongest teams we've come up against. But he said it's not the toughest of our opponents because for us, all opponents have been, are, and will continue to be difficult, he said. But like he just said, he said he relishes the chance to play France because a game like this doesn't come around very often for players and coaches alike. So it's a great challenge for them. In terms of how the team is going to set up, it's going to be structured like always, following the foundations that have already been laid. He mentioned that with a quick turnaround of fixtures. There's no time to really experiment. And although Graham and Liam are missing, he's going to expect the two players that come in to just kind of do the same job, you know, get the job done, give it the all 100%, which is what Julio always demands. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, but I think it's going to be a not enjoyable watch, maybe at times.
0: But <laughs> not I think, not uh, an enjoyable <laughs> watch at times. Um, I mean, it's but just... I think
3: the players are going to give it the
0: all. Gibraltar today. With Jonathan Scott. Looking at the summer sports and leisure program, uh, which is set to start on the t- Tuesday, the 11th of July, the day after school finishes. Uh, Regan Lima uh, and, um, and Liam Payas, the sports development officer at the GSLA, are here. Good afternoon to you, gents. Thanks for joining us. Afternoon, Jonathan okay uh, so so you're starting you're starting early because schools are finishing early because yeah. three schools are are moving, yeah
4: um obviously the inevitable early closure of the schools we were notified that it was a possibility, so we started investigating how we could help out for those I think it's effectively six, six school days, and I spoke to Liam and the team and uh yeah we we will be able to to offer that service uh, from Monday the thirtieth of June, I believe the date is if I'm correct mm-hmm. uh in in line with with the the early
0: closure of these schools. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so 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 the sports train starts on Tuesday the 11th of July, but you started. That's that's the that's not the part that's for the schools that are finishing early. Yeah. You're, you're starting that in at the end of June. On
3: Monday. On Monday the 3rd of July. So, 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 third sorry, really? of June, I've yeah. just
0: I've just pulled up your microphone, Liam. I mean, uh, Monday the 3rd
3: of July is Monday the 3rd of July thought. because they would finish on Friday the 30th of June. Okay. So, so on the following again. Monday we start.
0: No. Okay, OK, excellent. So, um, what the appetite. Uh, wh- what have you got
4: in store? I mean, the, we, we try, when when Liam and the team debrief after every summer, um, we try and look at what worked, what didn't, and, and think of new things to put in for the year after. We try and, um, and add something new every year. I mean, the, the glaringly obvious one this year is Lathbury recently I mean we've been using a beautiful it. new venue Yeah, it is it's a fantastic venue used
0: um, for sports days well no sports what day had, as from yesterday we and- had
4: our first sports day yesterday uh, we've got more next week um, we had our GASA's first junior gala on Saturday as well so slowly but surely pace is gathering and it would have been a shame not to use it for the summer program. Or if you if you go back to when we started sports train, back in '99 with with Michelle Michelle Turner's idea, we used to go. I used to be a leader. We used to go every Tuesday and Thursday, come up to the South District. So this is something we want to introduce, particularly with with the level of facility that that we now have. So that's the big the big glaring uh, innovation. Okay,
0: and and then the actual program itself starts on.
4: We'll Tuesday,
0: Tuesday the 11th is the sports train, but you're starting earlier for the other three sports. Yeah, the children of Governor's
4: Meadows, St. Mary's and Bishop Fitzgerald. Uh, those children who would normally be able to come to the programme during the summer, which is children of reception age and above, they'd be, they'd be
0: eligible to come onto the programme as from the Monday the 3rd. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Regan Lima and Liam Bias of the Sports and Leisure Authority. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And best of luck with that programme. It's very exciting. I'm sure it's a lot of hard work as well. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott and I'm joined now by Max De Soysa and Chloe Lother, who are organising GBC's Summer Camp. Um, guys, exciting news, no?
5: Yes, yeah, yeah, super exciting. exciting. Thank you for having us on today. It's nice Our to spend time with you. Absolute
0: pleasure. Um, and um, uh, 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 what, um, this is targeting children aged between 10 and 14 and we're looking for sort of creative young minds, no?
5: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we're looking for kids interested in broadcasting uh, to submit a 30-second video um basically just expressing why they want to do a GBC summer camp, uh, telling us who they are. It should be a fun, upbeat video and we're encouraging kids to, to be themselves mm. in this video. You know, don't try and be anybody else. Yeah. So submit something fun and uh, you can send it into the WhatsApp number which is two hundred seven nine seven six zero. And we're gonna have a look and we're gonna select Yeah, the ten to fourteen year olds have a select few to be part of the summer camp.
0: How how cool. Um so so why why is broadcasting a cool industry
5: to work yeah. in, Max.
3: It is a super cool industry. I mean, both Chloe and I work in GBC. I'm a camera operator and Chloe is of the lottery fame. She's a presenter and a radio presenter. So we're giving kids that sort of like behind the scenes element. So showing them like how to use the cameras, like what mics are more appropriate for different scenarios. And then also being shown like how to present, like sort mm. of how to yeah give that off. Yeah,
5: Maybe. how to... Yeah, how to- You know, look at a camera, um, how to present yourself, Mm. uh, what kind of questions to ask in an interview, really listening uh, to the person that you're interviewing. Uh, There's a lot of techniques and I feel like it looks really easy. But then when you're in front of a camera and you've got the lights and you've got somebody in your ear and Mm. everything's happening around you, it can be quite quick and fast paced. So it can be a little, you know, throw you off a little bit. So preparing the kids for that as well.
3: Excellent. Excellent like I obviously know the behind the camera sort of stuff mm-hmm. so it'll almost be like a learning opportunity for me like and I'll, me too yeah.
5: do you know actually the other, um, uh, a couple of lotteries ago mm. I asked Karim who's another camera operator yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like can Good I just dad. watch you for a second like when they're getting ready like what are you what are you doing like how does yeah, it work yeah, yeah. so it's going to be cool I think for the two of us to kind of like it's a magic flip- black box It's yes, magic <laughs> <laughs> absolutely magic black box thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today